Hey everyone, this is Hallie. And this is Adrian. And together we are the, the Bottle, Bottle Blondes. Blondes. This is the Unstuffy Wine Podcast for funny people. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts, such as Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, and more. Please download an episode and leave us a review. And you can also follow us on social media at our Instagram, at Bottle Blondes Wine. We'll have pictures of the wine we drink for the podcast and our other adventures in wine. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye. Oh, hey! Oh, hey! It's November and it's raining outside. Sideways. Light savings time. It's gonna get dark in an hour. Ooh! And because it's dark and cold and rainy, we're gonna have a big red day. Yeah, big red day. It's a a day to pull up the big reds. (laughs) Nice and warm and spicy. Uh, and what? do we mean by big reds? Oh, well, we're talking about uh, a a high alcohol, moderate, uh, full-bodied, spicy, jammy red. It's our best friend, Zinfandel. And not just any Zinfandel. We are going to be looking at Zinfandel from two particular AVAs in California. Uh, I'm going to be covering Lodi. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to be talking about the Paso Robles area, which is in the central coast. You know, we've really ignored California up until this point. And guessing by our shopping for this episode, I think a lot of people are are looking over California. Um, But Zinfandel offers a great bang for your buck if you're into it. I think what I find the most interesting about shopping for California wines in Oregon is that there's more California wines in the grocery stores like Fred Meyer and Trader Joe's and New Seasons versus wine shops, which tend to favor, um, obviously, old world regions, and then, of course, Oregon, uh, yeah. Pinot Noir. So, um, most of what I found was uh, from the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I did a wine.com order, and uh, it aided me greatly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think what we're going to kind of just uh, start out with is some general California history and some general quick facts about California wine, just so you can kind of have some... Uh, what's it called? It's the cement of oh, the foundation. <laughs> it's like the cement. I was really following. I was like, yeah, the cement. Okay, yeah, yeah. You put the, the bricks on the cement or whatever masonry. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna lay some like historical masonry for you. Excellent, <laughs> but, excellent. Uh, that'll apply to both of our regions as far as like. Um, how Zinfandel came to be the heritage grape of California. But uh, yes, the quick sip on California real quick. Quick um, sip. Oh, I like that. A quick sip. Uh, 80% of U.S. wine is actually grown in California. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a butt ton. They grow over 100 different, 120 different types of grapes. Uh, the big stuff coming out of there is obviously Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, Merlot, Zinfandel, Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, and Sauvignon Blanc. Those are the main grapes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's known for, obviously, Napa and Sonoma, but that's exactly why we're not talking about those that's today. That's why. <laughs> uh, it's known for the movie Sideways. It's got over 107 AVAs. It's, it's got a lot of money. It's a big state. It's a big state. Very yeah. long. And it covers a lot of land and a lot of different, uh, well, how would I say this, like, uh, weather regions? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's so long and it's mm-hmm. got that little, like, crook in the elbow, it's Climates. basically kind of like, 
when you're going, yeah, you've got the coast, yeah. the Inland Valley, and then the Sierra Nevadas, uh, famous for the Dahmer party. Oh, yeah, those guys. <laughs> oh, the Donner. Did I say Dahmer like Jeffrey Dahmer? You did, but that's okay, because I knew what you were talking about. They're both the cannibals. Party. They're both cannibals. <laughs> uh, they probably like Zinfandel. Anyways. <laughs> Oh man. So let's uh yeah, let's talk a little bit more about California, our buddy to the south. Yeah, so uh California's got a pretty uh old winemaking history. Wine was first brought to the region in the fifteen hundreds vis-a-vis the Spanish missionaries who were in Mexico, and then they were like, ah, we must go conquer more land. For so they, the Spanish crown, yes. yes. <laughs> so they came up to uh California and of course um Needed that wine for religious ceremonies, for Obviously. nourishment, for your vitamin C, because <laughs> that's how you seem a little counteractive, but whatever. You know, give the monk something to do. There's always a monk. There's always there's always a monk or a priest or that's a missionary right. or something behind <laughs> some wines. Um, so yeah, those. So in the 15, that's how wine got here, got there in the 1500s, and then you know settlers came and started planting their own vines. And then um, the first kind of wineries started to become established in the 1830s. And the very first commercial winery was actually uh, in 1857 in Sonoma. But what really brought all those motherfuckers there was the gold rush. Yeah, the gold rush. (laughs) (laughs) California gold. And that was in 1849. And that brought in like an ass ton of people. Oh, yeah. It went from 800 people to 200 to 25 to 250,000. That would be a big population. Wow. <laughs> no, from 800 to 25,000 people in just two years. Still a lot for that time. Yeah, and they were all pouring into San Francisco. Uh, so that really, you know, blew up the demand for wine. And a lot of these uh, people that were coming over were European. So they already kind of had um, that knowledge uh, and of, of wine and also needing to drink lots of wine. <laughs> totally. And a lot of them, you know, they were obviously they were looking for gold. They were kind of poor. They were uh, oftentimes farmers or people who came from an agricultural background. So when that gold dried up, they started digging for something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, yeah, and that also another thing was phylloxera was happening in Europe. Oh, yeah. So people were also looking just for like another place to grow their grapes. You know, yeah. they went to Chile, they went to, to California. Yeah, good point. Um, but phylloxera still ended up ravaging parts of California in the 1890s. Um, but it didn't hit it as bad because there was we had the American rootstock, which mm-hmm. you know uh, the vitis minifer could be grafted onto. Uh, then of course prohibition happened. Uh, we talk about it a lot, big bummer, everything got ripped up, but we'll get into this maybe more in our regions, but it's very interesting how a lot of uh, vines and wineries were able to withstand prohibition. Absolutely. By uh, using their grapes and selling them off for people to make wine at home. And I guess the government deemed some grapes like not suitable for wine, so people were able to like wine out of them anyway. I think it was called Section 29 of the Volstead Act. Interesting. I do know that like a lot of the ones that got to stick around did so uh, part of it partly because of, you know, religious purposes. If they deemed that it was for religious purposes, they could still make wine. Of course, they weren't making good wine, but... Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, of course, there was the recovery period. The Prohibition ended in 1933, and then there was that slow growth. You know, just the Great Depression. The Great Depression, World War II. World War II, World War I, that happened all before that. <laughs> it was kind of a really bad time 
for a long time. <laughs> just say. Yeah, a lot happened in that century. It's kind of crazy <laughs> like, when we look at the 1900s to 2000, just how much shit went down. All of this is playing through my head right now um, as like a Ken Burns documentary. I just want to let you know. It's like the people panning for gold and then making the line and the gold rush. It's all black and white and then like people reading dramatic letters but their legs falling off. <laughs> Yes. I'm surprised Ken Burns hasn't done, like, Ken Burns, why? That's a good point. Let's reach out to Ken Burns. Yeah, and then we can have uh, Sam Elliott narrate. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tom Hanks can do some voices. Yes. It'll be, it'll be great. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there was the recovery period kind of in the, the 60s, the, the big kind of recovery, getting into more prestigious times in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, we've touched on it before, and we're really not going to go into it too much, but it was the Judgment of Paris, where Stephen Spurrier, an English wine merchant, uh, put French wines up against uh, California, Napa, specifically Napa Valley Cabs and Chardonnays, and they won with California on the wine map. And that's all she wrote! All right, we're done. Stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our California episode. <laughs> the end. Uh, something I read, and I, I feel like you might have told me this, but if you don't know this, it's a fun fact, um, is apparently there was a second Judgment of Paris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that they were like, oh, no, no, no. Um, the first wine's only one because, uh, the you know, nobody had enough age on the wines, so they were so fresh and new that clearly, you know, the, once once the uh, European wines have some age on them, um, it'll be, they'll win. They'll win for sure. And then they came back in 30 years, and the California wine still won top five places. <laughs> oh, man. That, and then France probably was still like, no, well, um. <laughs> Tom's Tom had NyQuil last night and his taste buds don't work well. <laughs> France just really France, good at excuses. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, you know, the, the fun thing too is like, you know, on top of the history, California is, um, so it's had so much agricultural history and part of that is aided by just the special climate, which we talked about at the beginning. I mean, it's huge. It's one of the most biodiverse places in the U.S. and it has an incredibly ideal climate for growing things. That's why so much of our produce comes from California. Um, like New York's Hottest Nightclub, it has everything. It has <laughs> temperature moderating <laughs> winds from the Pacific, insanely hot sun from the Central Valley, lots of coastal mountain ranges. Uh, <laughs> So basically, as California heats up from its, you know, insane amount of sunshine per year, every, or throughout the year, um, the cool winds and the fog from the coastline get sucked inland and they moderate all of the inland vineyard areas. So a lot of the vineyards that you're going to see or, you know, drive through are going to be either just off the coast or a little bit inland. They're not going to be too, too far in because otherwise it's going to get really, really hot, you know, like Death Valley temperatures. Um... And there's a lot of soil diversity too in there. Anyway, geographically, just it was it's hostile. It's still hostile. Still hostile. I mean, there's still Earth. California's biggest threat is wildfires and earthquakes. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. It's still going on. There's still stuff changing all the time. Uh, and yeah, it's it's really ideal because of you know the the moderated climate the insane amount of sunshine, and then on top of that, um, the diurnal temperature swing because of those cool winds. So stuff heats up during the day, 
uh, ripens the grapes and then it cools down like crazy at night um, and also in the morning it stays cool in the morning so that those grapes don't get too exposed to the sun and they don't get too over ripened and so uh, California is able to have these very long growing seasons in ideal climates where there's not a lot of rot um, and there's plenty of sun and that means that things you know age for longer the the grapes get nice and ripe without getting over ripened and that's actually going to be really important when we talk about Zinfandel because Zinfandel is kind of a, a finicky grape but it's it's um, ripens really unevenly and so if you grow it for too short of a season you're going to have kind of like a weird um, like sweet and sour combo because yeah. some of the grapes aren't going to be ripened enough. Yeah, some of them will be um, almost like raisin-esque right. while the other ones have just kind of reached that, that peak mm -hmm. uh, time. I didn't know that about Zinfandel, honestly, and it explains so much about why it is the way it is, yeah. you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, there's a reason you're so big fruit forward. It's because some of the grapes on your bunch were probably like, sitting uh, for a yeah. long time collecting sugar yeah exactly and it's a really they just naturally have a really high sugar content um it's just gonna boost those alcohol levels which um i'm sure they didn't like in prohibition <laughs> yeah no they did not satan's milk satan's <laughs> milk i don't that just sounds like something a teetotaler would say absolutely <laughs> The devil juice. Devil, devil juice. <laughs> but yeah, uh, California, fifth, third, I don't know. How big is that state? It's big. It's big. Uh, let's see. Alaska's the biggest. Texas. Texas is second. And then I guess it's third. Yeah. What else would be third? Mm. <laughs> I don't mm. think anything. Yeah. I think, we're going to say it's third. <laughs> if you live in California, you're listening to this and we're wrong. Don't tell us. <laughs> don't, don't tell us. We're just going to go on like we're right. <laughs> Um, cool. Do we want to talk about some just like, uh, Zinfandel and Jen? Yeah. So like one cool thing, a very quick fact to start us off is that Zinfandel used to be the most widely planted red grape in California for a very, very long time. Um, up until about the late nineties, only then did it get superseded by, uh, Cabernet yeah, Sauvignon. 19, 1998. That's right. And, um, you know, it obviously enjoyed kind of a long storied history in California, but it did not come from California. In fact, it didn't even come from France where we get, or Italy, where we see most of our grapes um, originating from. So yeah, Hallie, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Zinfandel history and the uh, Zinfandel files. The Zinfandel files. <laughs> yeah, so it is of European design. It's genetically identical to a Croatian grape. Uh, I'm not gonna say what it's called now, but this Historically, it was called Tribadrag, I believe. You saw that word, and I was like, I'm not even gonna try. I'm, you know, I'm just gonna go with the phonetic Trib. Perfect. Tr oh, Tribidrag. Tribidrag. God, you're such a Tribidrag. Oh, you're such a <laughs> Tribidrag. Oh. Um, which is also uh, genetically identical to uh, Primitivo in Italy. So um, people think that they made it. People think that it made its way here when uh, Croatia was actually part of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, uh, and the name likely came from a butchering of another grape from Austria called Zerfandler. Yes, <laughs> excellent. Um, but actually, the first uh, roots of Zinfandel weren't in California, but actually in Long Island, New York. <laughs> So there was a horticulturist named uh, George Gibbs, and he received shipments of the grapes uh, from Vienna uh, and elsewhere in Europe. And this was like circa the 1820s. Mm -hmm. uh, and Gibbs sold his wine to a guy in Boston, 
who then recommended it to some nurserymen out there because apparently there was like a big hothouse trend going on where um, because Boston is so cold, people were uh, growing a lot of stuff in greenhouses and hothouses. So they were growing Zinfandel for table grapes in hothouses in Boston. And it then... Is, it can <laughs> confirm it's cold as shit in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then the fad just kind of died out. So they uh, turned their attention to a hardier outdoor table grape, Concord grapes that we know of. Um, however, some of those uh, nursery dudes, nursery got, dudes. Got, got gold rush fever. And uh, they brought that, oh, that Zinfandel to California. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, some his, that's some fun little uh, history about Zinfandel. And then, um, yeah, it's, um, like I said, it became the most widely planted grape. Unfortunately, a lot of its vines got ripped up during Prohibition, like a lot of the other vines. Um, but they did manage to hold on and some of the most prized California Zinfandel is from these really old vines that look super gnarled and like twisty. Um, I think, I forget what, uh, I think it's like the Ravenswood label or, or some California label that's pretty famous for its Zinfandel has like the pictures on it. You've totally seen it in the grocery store where they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not uh, trained on any because they're so old. They could just freestand. They're head trained. They're not on a trellis. They're not on a pergola. They're not on a fence. They're not on a ball. They're not on a wall. <laughs> they're not very tall. <laughs> and they're not very tall. <laughs> um, yeah, and there was unfortunately, and this is still the case, is that most Zinfandel is not made into premium Zinfandel, it's made into white Zinfandel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Adrian, you got some, got some. I do. Uh, I do. It's so, you know, this, this kind of premium era where the wine industry came back into vogue and started to become more popular in California in the sixties and the seventies, basically like rich people showed up and invested in it. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know, Fast forward into the 70s and people are giving, you know, high demands for white wine. White wine is very, very popular at the time. It's going to give rise to Chardonnay, um, big oaky Chardonnay. And to follow that trend in the 1970s, um, Sutter Home. Uh, yes, the one and only Sutter Home. Oh, gee. <laughs> they tried to uh, use a winemaking technique called saigne or the bleeding method where basically you, when you put all of your wine all of your grapes into a tank to ferment you can um, bleed off some of the juice the free run juice before it starts to ferment and he did this originally to make his Zinfandel more pigmented he was like if I take off some of that kind of clear free run juice it'll get you know a darker more robust Zinfandel inside and he was like you know what I should also sell this stuff so it's kind of like a pinky color um, it experienced a stuck fermentation where not all the yeast were able to eat up all the sugar before it stopped fermenting, so it ended up kind of sweet. And he bottled it and he sold it and he gave it actually uh, a name, a French name originally called Ouille de Perdrix. That sounded fancy. Uh, it's called the Eye of the Partridge, which is known in Switzerland and in the Rhone Valley as a specific type of rosé. And the US government was like, no! Give it an English name. They went Americanize, Americanize it. it. And so he was like, you know what? Fine. We're going to call it White Zinfandel because it's made from the Zinfandel grape. And voila, it appealed to American palates who wanted some sugary, low ABV stuff. And they ate it up. And Zinfandel 
stuck around. They got to keep all of their vines until finally one day red wine came back into vogue and they were like, we got this shit laying around. Let's make some good stuff out of yeah. it. Let's let's try and experiment. I mean, it's been here forever. It's, it's been our here forever. It's a heritage grave. We cut yep. it <laughs> so white Zinfandel uh, still accounts for nine point nine percent of U.S. wine sales. It's usually, uh, like I said, low alcohol level. It's usually a bit sweet, and um, it's usually not highly regarded. <laughs> no, it's you know we. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you think of blush wine. Yes, that's the that's the AKA for white sin. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the blush. It's the blush. It's the blush. Ooh, but it's, you know what? We gotta we gotta thank it for the popularity of regular Zinfandel today. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's you know, it was entry level for a lot of people. Right. You know, the seventies was a weird time. <laughs> Disco Coke white wine, baby. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, but today, like I said, today's Zinfandels, Zinfandels of today. Zinfandels of today. Uh, really beautiful examples coming out. Like some key characteristics of Zinfandel is it's uh, jammy red or black fruits. And it also has kind of these secondary vibes of like spicy, smoky, barbecue-y. Um, and some of the main AVAs that are known for producing qualities in Findel in California are Amador, Santa Clara Valley, Sonoma, the Russian River Valley, and, ready for this segue? <laughs> Paso Robles and Lodi! Oh, the ones we're going to talk about today. Oh, weird. Hey, weird. <laughs> weird. Oh, look, there's a note that just popped out oh, of my notebook for my final South African Jeopardy. <laughs> so, uh, we want to do Lodi or Paso first? Um, we could probably do Lodi first because it's uh, north to south. Let's we could do, do north to south. Feels mm -hmm. natural. All right, so um, do we want to sip while I talk? Or yeah, let's, we... let's do a little bit of sippage while we're talking. All right, well, let me uh, pull up my <laughs> note. Uh, we're going to start out with the Immortal Zin, which is an old vine Zinfandel, and a lot of places will put old vine on the label. And what that generally means is there's no like specific rule against what that means, but typically you can expect uh, a old Zin to have the vines be uh, either 40 years to up to 120 years old. Dope. So it just kind of depends on what winery. Some boomer vines. <laughs> some, I would say some like pre-boomer wines. <laughs> uh, some pretty crazy stuff. So this is a uh, 2018, the Immortals Inn. This is a Fred Meyer. Uh, Fred Meyer has actually carried this wine for a pretty long time. I think it's a really nice, affordable uh, Zinfandel. Uh, the vines are actually 120 years old from this particular state. Uh, big alcohol on this, 14.8. Oh, yeah. Not as big as some other Zinfandels. They can be up into the high 15s. Mm -hmm. um, and this is uh, from the Purano uh, estate, uh, which was founded by Italian immigrants from Genoa. So, Guacoma Pirano, uh, he brought uh, Primitivo over from Italy in 1879, uh, and he was a little late for the gold rush, mm -hmm. so he ended up opening up a mercantile instead, and that was actually pretty successful. So, he went back to Italy, bought a bunch more Primitivos and Vindel cuttings back to America, bought 300 acres, and then basically. Flourished. So he has mercantile. He had his uh, vineyards. There's a lovely history. Um, they have a nice website with a lovely family history because it goes back so many generations, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, during Prohibition, they sold their 
grape juice to the East Coast. Uh, so I was able to keep them. So this is um, tank fermentation on the skins, 15% new French and American oak. And um, apparently it was a long, intense fruit. It was a long um, hang time because it was a cooler summer. So the grapes had to hang for a lot longer. It's but, very nice. Yeah. Very lovely spice to it. Yeah, on the nose I got like strawberry, apricot jam, some rooibos, a little bit of butterscotch. Um, oh, yeah. The palate has a little bit more uh, like cinnamon stick, blackberries, I'm still getting that butterscotch and strawberry jam. And a little bit of like anise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, what makes a Lodi region so All right. special? Well, now that I've got some wine in my glass, yeah. I will, sure. I will uh, talk a little bit about Lodi. So Zinfandel is the most planted grape here uh, in oh, the Lodi AVA, and it has some of the oldest uh, Zinfandel vines in California. It's actually in the middle of the Central Valley, and it's two times the size of Napa, but it's very close to Napa. Okay. Um, it's got 100,000 acres, and it's actually just like immediately 80 miles east of San Francisco. So it really benefits from the San Francisco Bay's fog sucking into the valley mechanism <laughs> um, that uh, helps keep the, the vineyards cool at night. Love some fog suckage. Fog suckage big time into the... <laughs> I saw a really good meme the other day that was like, uh, fog is just goth air. <laughs> it's so true. I watched the fog uh, on Halloween the for the fog. first Yes, John Carpenter. <laughs> I had no idea it was about, uh, man, it was, it was, it was a, a weird one. It's a weird one. Uh, I love the beginning. There's not a fog bank out there. Oh, wait. There's a fog bank out there. <laughs> right? It's Isn't so that derpy. like weird, sexy voice? Uh, yes. Radio lady? Yes. And like, I don't know, I wanted to see more of the crusty sailor's faces. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, anyway. Anyways. <laughs> Back to Lodi. Uh, so a lot of the big box brands actually come from here, uh, like Rex Goliath, which is the mm. one with the cock on the label. Bird. Uh, Woodbridge is from here. Bird. Sutter Home. <laughs> Sutter Home, as we mentioned earlier, still yes. gets all their grapes from here. Um, but they also grow a lot of um, Chardonnay, Pinot Gris, Cabernet Sauvignon, and but there's scattered plantings of over uh, 120 varietals here. What? Yeah, so Zinfandel really helped elevate uh, Lodi, uh, and it was because of these old vines that producers were uh, able to advocate it for and use this old vine as kind of a marketing angle to kind of like up the prestigiousness of uh, their wines. Uh, and Lodi actually produces about 40% of California's premium Zinfandel. Uh, Very nice. Because it Good does have. Job, Lodi. Yeah, because it has the highest concentration of those old vines. Um, but the big problem that's happening right now is because of the such low yields that these uh, very old bush vine, vine, bush vine vines, bush vines, bush vines, uh, winemakers are kind of seeing diminishing financial returns oh. and they're kind of forced to rip them up. But now oh. there's like some preservation efforts uh, taking place to try and um, I didn't get too much into that because there was a ton of information. But basically, I think the state of California and some other efforts are trying to help these people out so they can keep their uh, really old, old vines. Good, that's good. Yeah, there's actually, oh my God, the LodiWine.com website is so robust. Um, there was a literally a nine fucking part history that I 
did not summarize. Yeah, because it is too much. Robles site and was like, woof, (laughs) (laughs) woof. That's a lot. (laughs) Um, So just really quick about the particular temperature, climate, and topography of Lodi. It's considered a Mediterranean climate. It's got uh, dry, warm summers, cool, wet winters, and sometimes the temperatures are even are lower in Lodi than they are in Sonoma or Napa or Paso Robles. No That's because, yeah, you get that San Francisco the Bay, the suckage. <laughs> it's, um, and the top, what I love about this place is the topography is so crazy. It ha- it's flat. It goes to 150 feet below uh, sea level. It has hillsides that go up to 400 feet. And then it kind of ends at the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains in the east. So it's got super diverse um, soils because of that. A big mixture of sandy loam and alluvial deposits from the two main rivers that come out of the Sierra Nevada range. And those are the, oh God, Mokolume and the Consumenes rivers. and what they've done is kind of drop, drop the granite minerals. Oh, they drop them right yeah, in. Yeah, they're dropping some granite minerals right into that right soil. In. So most of the old mines in is on a really well-drained um, Tokai sandy loam and deposits from these uh, rivers. Uh, so the low dye ABA was uh, recognized in uh, 1986, and then in uh, 2006 it was split into seven uh, sub ABAs. And I'm just gonna cover them really quick. I'm not going to go with, again, the lodi.com, lodiwines.com, tons of stuff, but the seven ones are the, some, I think I wrote this down differently, two different ways. The Consumne River one, which is the largest size in the Northwest, the Alta Mesa, which is in the middle, and it has like really dense clay, uh, gravel, clay soils there. Slough House, Slough House, uh, in the Northeast, which is like actually closer to Sacramento than it is to Lodi. It's a fun name. I know. Slowhouse. Slowhouse. Borden Ranch, which is in the Northeast, and it's uh, more famous for like uh, horse race, hor- breeding horse races and thoroughbreds. Oh, right. Uh, Johant, which is kind of in the middle. <laughs> Johant. Johant. Uh, the Makalumi River, which is in the Southwest, that's the one that's actually uh, in the town of Lodi, or it's, you know, Town of Lodi is in this ABA, sub-ABA, and it has the most plantings. And then uh, the Clements Hills, which are really hilly terrain and where a lot of the old uh, vines and fidel is coming from. So yeah, old vines mean fewer clusters, smaller berry size, more intense sugars, color, and uh, concentration of flavors. So yeah, that's Lodi in a nutshell. we want to taste our other, yeah, our other clinker. one. Our, the clinker brick, right? Oh, the clinker. <laughs> cool. I you know, I remember a long time ago when we went to that Zinfandel tasting, oh. and it was a bunch of Lodi uh, wines, and it was, we had, we walked out with some purple teeth, let's just say. Oh, yeah, very stained. <laughs> very stained. Uh, all right, so this is a uh, Clinker Brick Winery, also uh, in Lodi. So the 2017 Old Vines and Findel. So these are fifth generation growers. So their grapes are coming from the um, 1900s uh, via vis German and oh shit, I poured that into the spit. Yeah. Like whoops, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> um, German-Russian immigrants, and they kind of grew Zinfandel, Tokai, Carignan, and Alicante. 
There's some weird history with like the combination of that Alicante Boucher yes. and Zinfandel, which I didn't I did think, not look into. But I will much. eventually because it, it seems it, interesting. It sounded like the only thing I could glean from it that without looking into it much is that like Alicante Bruchette, is that, is that how you say it, um, is less prone to rot than Zinfandel. Mm. But I don't know why. I don't know if they were like in contest with each other, and I don't know why Alicante kind of fell out of favor. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, there was also, oh, the Flame Tukai was another one that was kept getting brought up a lot, which I didn't have time to get into. Um, but I'm also just exploring that kind of relationship because it was like Zinfandel and that were grown together for a particular reason. I just couldn't get into it. Um, Ooh, so yeah. Smells hot. <laughs> yeah, this one was actually um, sourced from a couple different sub-AVAs. This was from the Makalume. Oh, God. Oh, I'm just probably saying that wrong. Uh, and the Clement. Clements Hills AVAs, um, and yeah, it's tanned. Yeah, this one has a little bit more tannins. The other one, I think, one thing that kind of bothers me about Zinfandel is that the acidity sometimes isn't there. Yes, and that's a big problem when you don't have that because there's so much going on in Zinfandel that if you don't, yeah, I feel like it's not. I'm not getting that nice, like, sucky... Yeah, I think, the, I think the Clinker Brick definitely has more tannins than this Immortal Zin, and I think they're both about the same on acid. Mm -hmm. um, on the nose for this one, I got, like, raspberry pie filling, so, like, stewed raspberries. Yeah. I got some vanilla, some white pepper, and, like, some barbecue meat hoisin plum saucy vibes. It totally, like, some barbecue sauce for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of got, like, a meaty a meaty vibe going on <laughs> and then on the palate i actually tasted like some dried apricot and did you ever have that violet candy no yeah <laughs> tastes like that violet candy right you kind of know what you yeah but it's very very um pronounced flavor but it kind of like falls off mm -hmm. but it has some nice like kind of aged like i don't know kind of uh plummy or like pruny notes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's okay. That's good. I, I thought I wrote down the alcohol on it, but I must have missed that. And it's not, it's a very sparsely uh, information information label. That doesn't make sense. But it's like all the, all the stuff is embossed on. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a nice, yeah. But all, and let's just say that all of these Zinfandel bottles are like going crazy on the glass. They're like, you could Take somebody out with one of these. They're yeah. so freaking heavy. Might keep these around for some weapons to use uh, <laughs> later on. <laughs> yeah, big, big bottles, which is crazy. There's, I, yeah, I can't believe there's a glass shortage right now. Have I you read know. about that. Yes, I have, and I've also read about how like it's, you know, it's obviously like a bigger carbon footprint if a heavier your bottle is. So they're saying like, please don't use. Uh, use, I guess there's a shortage of everything right now, but please don't use as much glass in your bottles because then you can't ship as much. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And who, like, glass factories emit a lot of harmful chemicals. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Everything seems to be in, uh, dire straits right now, but at least we still have some wine. <laughs> that's, that is true. <laughs> I'm, I mean, put it in a box. It's fine. Put it in a box. It's, a, it's an option, people. <laughs> All right. Is it Paso Robles time? It's Paso Robles time. Mm. Paso Robles, place I did not know very much about other than it existed until doing some research. Um, 
Let's start out taking a little sip of this Ancient Peaks uh, Paso Robles Zinfandel 2018. This is from the Santa Margarita Ranch, which is the most southern AVA Ooh. in the Paso Robles region. It's also very uh, eastern, so it's it's kind of southeast, so it's pretty close to, or it's closer to the uh, the ocean than some of the other regions. Although most of Paso Robles is pretty inland, um, so it's it's one of the more inland AVAs of the uh, Central Coast region, um, and it's a very warm, it's a very hilly kind of like cowboy rolling hills area. Mm. Um, it sees giant uh, diurnal swings in its temperatures, which makes for a really great long growing season and. Um, Grows a lot of big, heavy reds, so there's a lot of Rhone varietals grown here. Obviously, a lot of Zinfandel, um, and it's one of the wide. I think it's the biggest potentially um, subregions in California. It's really wide, so it covers a lot of ground from um, west to east, and it has really interesting soil content. It's um, a lot of it is grown on, a lot of vines are grown on this calcareous clay. So it's this clay, it has a very high lime content and a very, very high pH. So it's very alkaline, which means it's, it's not, doesn't have a very good nutrients for uh, vines, which means, uh, you know, obviously it takes a long time for, you know, it keeps the yields low. It takes a long time for things to ripen. That combined with the diurnal swings and the heavy sun um, mean that, you know, something that takes a long time to ripen like Zinfandel does really, really well here. Um, and also you get a lot of good bang for your buck out of here. I, I don't think I spent, well, except for this um, ridge wine. I yeah, that's, the one, that's the one that's in all the books, Adrian. Yeah, it's a fancy <laughs> uh, splurged a little bit. Um, and I, like, bought a couple extra bottles in my order just to, like, get familiarized with Zinfandel beforehand. I don't think I spent more than 20 bucks on any of the, the non-rich stuff. Um, but yeah, Paso has 11 sub-AVAs. I'm not going to get into them very, very much. Um, and oh yes, it's the largest, yeah, like I said, it's the largest wine-growing region and it stretches from just south of San Francisco down to the St. Inez Valley, just above Santa Barbara. Um, it's protected by the Santa Lucia mountain range. So can I get a rain shadow? Oh, I'm thinking of a rain shadow. <laughs> and it means uh, the pass of oaks in Spanish. So you'll see a lot of oaks in this region. Um, it sits right above the, like the tree. Yeah, like oak trees. Oh. It's right above the San Luis Obispo Valley. So this Ancient Peaks uh, winery had a lot of information. It seems like it's a really, really gigundo winery. Uh, it's such have, a pretty label. It's really nice. I, and they have a lot of information on the back, which I really appreciated. Um, it's no clinker brick bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I said, it's in the Santa Margarita AVA, which has the longest cooling, um, or is the longest season out of any sub-AVA, longest growing season. And this ranch is actually... Uh, it's comprised of 14,000 acres. Um, it offers like wildlife tours and zip lining. <laughs> wow, it's uh, like Disneyland. It's like Disneyland for, for wine. And, wine. and they have five different soil types, ancient marine soils, shale, volcanic basalt, alluvium deposits, and granite deposits. And um, honestly, I think this is this is pretty good. I got a lot of candied fruits, like a lot of marmalade and kind of peach notes on this guy. This has got like higher, to me this has higher tannins than my clinker brick one. 
Yeah. Um, it has a high acid. This one, I felt the acid pop a lot. Um, I think this is actually interesting because both of these were old mine, which is probably mm -hmm. why they were so like heavy. And now we have ones that I'm sure the vines are still really old, but um, yeah, very stark contrast yeah. between the two already. I'm telling. Yeah, it was only twenty bucks. It's the fifteen percent alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> As a big boy. As a big boy. Yeah, you can definitely uh, taste the alcohol for sure on mm -hmm. this. Yeah, there's something that's a little savory to me mm -hmm. about this one. It's almost like... Almost like a, like a salinity like a, or a chutney. Like an it. adobo yeah. chili is kind of what I'm getting, which is strange. But also like a light... If I was going to pick a flower that I'm picking up on in this... I, which I normally would not associate with the bigger red. It's like some hibiscus-y oh, tartness. Oh, yeah. yeah. Almost like a hibiscus kind of flavored sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm it's interesting. That. I like it. And it spent 17 months in French and American oak, and it comes from five separate blocks within the Margarita Estate Vineyard with lots of hilltop exposure. Ooh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, let's move on to our very fun Ridge, uh, Paso Robles, Simpsonville. Um, yeah, so the Ridge Winery is a really fancy, prestigious winery. It sprung a little bit, but it, this wasn't that expensive. I think it was like 30, 34, something like that. So like, you know, for a, something you're splurging on, it wasn't crazy. Yeah, but I'm sure it's delightful. It seems yeah. young, a little young for, I think that might be our youngest mm -hmm. Zinfandel. 2019. Probably why it was uh, not crazy expensive. <laughs> and apparently the 2019 sounds like it was kind of a rough growing year. Like um, the cold spring weather kind of delayed a lot of the bud break. And then they had to harvest early because it was a really hot uh, September. So um, that might be why this one was a little more affordable. But the fun thing is that Ridge um, grows, or they make a couple different Zinfandels. Um, and this one does come from Paso Robles, even though the, uh, and this comes from just one one estate in Paso Robles, um, even though Ridge Winery is not located in Paso Robles. It's in like the Sonoma area. Mm. Um, and this one is tasty. Ooh. <laughs> in case you haven't got it's very smooth. Um, I like that a lot. It's uh, from the Benito Ducey Ranch, and I got a lot of uh, peppery, smoky characteristics. I mean, the on color this one. is a lot more fuchsia than yes. purple. Like everything we've been having is pretty, uh, pretty purpley, purpley, dark. Yeah, this is more, uh, yeah, fuchsia to purple. It's the lightest colored mm -hmm. one we've probably had. And it's just so smooth on the palate. Um, but it's, you know, doesn't have the longest finish on it or like hang time. Hang time, bro. Hang time, bro. I got, like I said, a lot of a lot of smoky characteristics. I got some black plum and cherry and some olive. Mm. Maybe a little bit of dark chocolate. That olive for sure. But when I smell it, I just smell... Just smell smoke, but like in a pleasant way, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like an olive tapenade is having sex with a <laughs> with a jam. Wow, that's a sounds <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, again, these are more, like, these wines are much more savory. I mean, they still have big fruit happening, but definitely not as, like, heavy uh, as these Lodi ones. Yeah. So super... What a fun comparison. Yeah, exactly. It was super fun. And I think, you know, with the ancient peaks, it's probably the it's closer proximity to the ocean. And then with this ridge one, I think they just have such a fine hand in, in what they do that, you know, they kind of control the, the balance a lot more. Um, and also, you know, it being kind of younger, I think you're just not getting as big of a fruit punch. Yeah, that's true. Um, and because it had a shorter growing season, it's not as fruit forward as the other ones, which is kind of cool to compare with the notes and be like, oh, I'm not picking up as much fruit. Oh, it's because it didn't spend as much time out in the sun. So the Nato Ducey Ranch, is it like he has a ranch, but he also has vines? Uh, let's see. What did that say for that? Um, it's just weird that you don't, you don't normally see like, you know, ranch is such a California yeah. thing. Ranch style houses, like the, those originate in California. So uh, the Benito Ducey Ranch is a single vineyard that was planted in 1922. So these oh, vines are they're old. They're almost a hundred years old. Oh yeah. For what I could tell, a lot of things are called a ranch, but they're like a parcel of land. Like the Santa Margarita Ranch is an ABA. It's not a ranch. Or maybe there was a ranch there at some time. Yeah, because my, uh, what was my ABA that had the... Yeah, you had a ranch. I had a, I had a real ranch. Yeah. <laughs> the famous uh, uh, horse race breeding. Bordon Ranch. God, my handwriting sucks. Well, let's, uh, uh, let's move on to our surprise ones. Woo! Uh, real quick. Uh, I have a very fun surprise. If you got a fucking white Zinfandel in there, I'm going to... I say nothing. <laughs> I would give you no hints. Uh, do you want me to start, or do you? Uh, want to start? If it's, I will represent to you that I have a uh, full body bread. Okay. <laughs> um, let's do yours. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, unfortunately, I'm very disappointed in myself. No fancy painter's tape and foil wrap job for you today. It's okay. I will so close, have to close your eyes. eyes. <laughs> Keep my hand on the glass, though, so that I do not spill it by trying to find it. Okay. Alright. Uh, so I'll keep it closed. I'm going to pour myself a little bit of this stuff, too. <clears throat> Kind of a pretty, this was the one that I got from Vinopolis, which is over uh, in Northwest off of Gleason. What do you my eyes now since it's Yeah, it's gone. I put it away. <laughs> Get my little note, notey poos out here. What's one of the big differences you think you can pick up on right off the this bat? This has a lot more herbs in it. Mmm. Herbaceous notes, like right on this. And smelling kind of like a eucalyptus. -y Dude, vibe. I went down menthol on eucalyptus yeah! too. It's very um, medicinal on the nose. And then when you, I don't know about it. It's not as big of a, a body or high alcohol as, as those Zinfandels we were tasting. Correct. Um, it's pretty fruity. It's not giving me crazy tannins though, which That's... I was gonna I was gonna say maybe maybe it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, but I'm not getting many tannins. Um yeah, on the palate I got like some black cherries, some like cocoa bitter cocoa bean, 
a little bit of tobacco and because it is a little bit lighter like almost like some dried cranberry not like cranberry sauce for thanksgiving yeah but like you get the sugars concentrated in a dried cranberry is this a this is a really wild guess is this a sangiovese it's not it's not i will is it an italian varietal uh it is not damn uh, your first instincts were pretty good. Okay, okay. I would lean back more in that direction. <laughs> so is it a Cabernet Sauvignon? It is. <laughs> um, it is from Lodi as well. Okay. So um, it's actually, I'm, even though the bottle says it's uh, says Cabernet Sauvignon on the website, I think there's even a like 10% petite Syrah in this. But it's most, it's very, it's Cab dominant okay, for sure. Okay, so, um, it's really tasty, but I'm just not getting a lot of tannin. And that's because, um, they told me when I called ahead and they're like, yeah, we have this one wine from Lodi. It's a Cab Sauv, but it's this particular winemaker does a lot lighter expressions than what oh. you're normally going to see out of Lodi. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That is really interesting. It's not a super, um, I think it might be one of those like newer boutique millennial. Um, it's a wine maker, so it's not a vintner, so they're actually buying it's their wine. grapes from a family who's had a vineyard for over 100 years. So it's the grapes are potentially very old, but there was not a lot of information on the website. What I did get on this, um, this is another interesting thing. Mostly Cabernet Sauvignons are like pretty much all getting their age in uh, new or neutral oak. Mm -hmm. um, and this was actually did a temperature controlled fermentation in stainless steel, which it we normally have a lot of oak on it. Which You're is, right. Yeah, which is what we normally do for a white wine. And then it only spent um, six months in 55% uh, French oak and with a mixture of 45% stainless steel. So that's why it's more herbal and spicy because it's only a half oak uh, age. It's a lot of stainless steel on this. I'm finding that's that a I'm. a really interesting one. Yeah, uh, I actually had a really. Um, I'm kind of liking some of these stainless steel concrete egg Cabernet Sauvignons. There's a lot of people out in Walla Walla right now doing concrete egg fermentation on their cabs, uh -huh. um, which are just, they're not so punch you in the fucking face. Well, they're also <laughs> more like wide range of food friendly. Like I know yes. that, you know, like the traditionally stuff that's heavy tannins is food friendly, but we're not all eating like a giant roast every night anymore. No. Like the, the, you <laughs> this know, isn't the, the 50s. table has changed. <laughs> and sometimes it's nice to have something that still gets a lot of those spicy notes that's not um, hard to pair with stuff. This is good. Yeah, I, I mean, I like it. And I like it's this. interesting. I like that you can just have this by itself. Like, I think sometimes you just automatically like, I need a cab with food, but like, this is because it's a lighter style. I'm just like, yeah, I could fucking just drink this on. That's great. On a weeknight. <laughs> On a weeknight. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm sad that I uh, did not lean into my instincts, but you know what? It's, uh, it's the mystery, the fact that it unfolds is interesting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you were so, you were all right on right off the bat. <laughs> second guess Don't your intuition. My, my fatal flaw. <laughs> <laughs> all right, are you ready? Oh, fuck, I'm scared. I want you to close your eyes. I am going to close my eyes. I put, put your hand on the glass. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> oh, a little bit of pop there. A little pop there. I think it's because I had it in the fridge and then I let it warm up a little bit. Um, I say nothing. Just uh, keep your eyes closed while you sip it, smell it. <laughs> it's not going 
smells like <laughs> fucking Welch's grapefruit juice and like cotton candy. Yes, cotton candy was a note I wrote down. I, I, I wrote notes on this one, which was a really fun, fun, fun sugar. Yep. Mm-hmm. I even wrote Turkish delight. <laughs> I thought for the longest time that Turkish Delight was actually cubed meat because of I how it was so presented too. in that cartoon, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Thank you. I was like, oh, it's just a disgusting dummy cage. I will uh, pour, some, pour some myself so we can go on this journey oh, together. Uh, let's pull the little out, see what you think. It's like Dolly Oh my god, I swallowed it because I couldn't find my spit cup. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It just tastes like, is there alcohol in this? It tastes there like is. drinking fucking grape juice. Yeah, that's uh, oh yeah. so you want to take it. I know you know what it is. It's white zip. It's, it's white zip. Oh god. I had to get us some white zip. Well, I have a fucking Sutter home. It's not. It's not. It's not Sutter <laughs> home. Oh my god. Uh, it is Bueller. <laughs> I thought about also picking up yeah. a, a joke, but I was like, <laughs> This is a, oh a Bueller night, 2019. There's a fucking foot on that label. Oh There's God. not a foot. It's a, it's a nice little family. Actually, wow. Winery. That is lovely. Four look at this. This is lovely. This is like a serious white zen. Yeah. You know what? It actually is. And it's fucking hilarious because it's a serious white zen. Um, because they've been making it since 1983, and apparently there are other wines that they make are decently highly rated, like, uh, you know, they make regular Zinfandel and Cabernet Sauvignon, and, uh, they're point. more like, it's a 10.5. That's surprising. It's pretty, Honestly, yeah. that's like higher alcohol than I'd expect. Like, normally a white Zin is in the 8 to 9. I um, have to show you the, um, oh the fact sheet on the, oh my god. It's, it's, it's just we could strawberry this candy. And make, and make like icy pops with it. I was like, this would make a, a banging like spritz. Yeah. The summer. Oh. Yeah, it needs to be diluted so it's not. You want to see this horrifying? Uh... <laughs> oh no! There's so many fonts on there on the fact sheet. But they said that apparently when white when Wine Spectator eventually finally rated a list of white Zinfandel, this was their number one choice. There are five fonts. Five fonts. Five different colors. <laughs> and they're all um, diagonally mm -hmm. organized. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to read these all for you. Uh, at the top, in our black font, we have great wine, great package, great price. And then in our purple font below, when the wine spectator finally reviewed 55 Zin white Zinfandels, they rated us number one. And then in a very tiny, tiny blue font underneath that, when the White House elected to pour their first white Zinfandel, they chose us. Wow. And then below that, in the green font, we are 100% Zinfandel. And then below that, in the orange font, we have drink the best, drink Bueller white Zinfandel. This is funny. I can guarantee you that uh, I looked at the rest of their site just to make sure that their other wines did not uh, have fact sheets like that. And they did not. Everything else was a little less serial killery, but... Uh, Oh my god. Yeah, if you want uh, if you want a white Zinfandel, apparently Wine Spectator says this is the best. It tastes like a fruit a fruit punch that it's my like mom would make from foot. concentrate. Oh my god. When I was a child. It's from the can. Oh god. Uh, it is like a fruit by the foot. What liquid. 
Hey, what a journey. What a journey. I'm glad we did that last week. Yeah, me too. All that sugar went up. my palate. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed this Zinfandel journey with us. We gotta do seven things, Adrian. I know, but we're at 59 minutes. <laughs> okay, we cannot. <laughs> um, maybe, I mean, we could do it for fun. Or we could do a really quick one. We could do a really, really quick one. Really, really quick Because we one. can't break the tradition. We can't break the tradition. Okay. <laughs> Let's pick our favorite wine and do a three things. Okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> All right, Hallie, what's your favorite wine out of this lineup? I know that you're looking at this. Mueller <clears throat> Zinfandel. Oh, man. Ah, uh, you know, I really like this little ancient piece. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay. That was a good one, yeah. All right, Hallie, pour yourself some ancient peach Zinfandel and... Okay. Uh, then think of three things. Three things. Three things you'd love to do while drinking this 2018 Ancient Peaks Infidel. I'm going to uh, crochet a hockey jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum airflow. One. <laughs> going to organize my medicine drawer. <laughs> What's in the front of the medicine drawer? What's like number one? Uh, probably ibuprofen. Yes! <laughs> uh, probably take way too much of that. Yeah, me too. That's how my stomach got fucked up one time. Oh no! Well, I think that's one of the many versions. <laughs> Reasons. Not versions, too! <laughs> Wee! Wee! Uh, and the third and final thing that I would do is, um, you know, I would just do some some sweet masonry just to <gasps> yes. go back to my earlier foundation Your snafu. Foundation. snafu. <laughs> Lay on the foundation of one. <laughs> Three things! Three things! Uh, Adrian, what was your most enjoyable beverage today? Um, I'm going to go with the Ridge. Clearly, I drank almost half of it last night. Um, <laughs> it but I really good. liked that Immortal Zen a lot. And you know yeah. what? I really liked this Rotation Cellars Cabernet. Um, Thought we had some good selects. Today. Yeah, nothing was nothing was funky. Well, <laughs> except for our friend here. Except for our fruit punch over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adrian. Three things that you would do while drinking the Ridge Asa Robles mm -hmm. 2019 Zinfandel. Um, I would get a a subscription to a prestigious magazine, like a journal that only comes out every like. Six months. Ah, yes. <laughs> the uh, literary journal. Biannual literary yes. journal. <laughs> One. One! <laughs> um, oh, I would get a big, big bag of hot Cheetos and I would eat the whole thing at one sitting. Oh, speaking of stomach upsetting yeah. things. <laughs> As an accommodation, there might be broken in Cheetos. Hot Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Um, let's see, and then third, I would uh, knit some little, um, you know, uh, ice skate booties to go with your hockey jersey. Oh, Yeah, they're good, you know, make a nice, make a nice hockey set. Good, that's how you yeah, play hockey. Or, yeah, that's how you play. Because, you know, there's probably, like, a hockey jersey shortage right now, like, because there's so many shortages, and so we gotta, we gotta make do with our yarn and what we got. How are the hockey players of America going to survive? <laughs> I'm worried for them. I'm worried for them. <laughs> Three things! Three things! Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, thank you so much for coming on the Zin, the Old Vine, the Paso Robles, the Lodi, the California History Journey journey with us today. 
and uh, we'll see you next time. That's right. Bye. Bye.